Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still at the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ over there in Maryville. Grant Ramey, friend of the program, not been on the pod yet. Everybody else, like I have Brent Hubbs, Jocelyn, me yesterday, uh, seeing him, and he's like, oh, when, it's been three months since I've been back on the pod. It's like, uh, he was on a, he was on a few weeks ago. So we we like to have a lot of variety here of the good folks over there at VolQuest. And Grant is someone that uh, he and I saw some things uh, two months ago at the Alcoa bearding game where the lights went out. Grant, how are you? In the middle of a play, the lights went out. In the middle of like a mm-hmm. third down play, uh, pretty important mm-hmm. uh, moment in the game. Fourth quarter, not much time left. Pretty close game. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. A little bit. Bizarre. And they didn't redo the down, by the way. Like they were just like, nope. No. He, yeah, we're just moving. I mean, forward. I guess the play was almost over. It was like he's throwing to the sideline. I think he's throwing it away. But yeah, they just kind of kept going, going, whatever. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be like, no, we're we're redoing that. You don't know. I could have made a, a great catch. It could have been uh, Julio Jones on the perimeter. You don't know. Right. He could have come down with it. Lights don't go out. Um, also, you're always in black. Are you? Do you wear black a lot? I feel like I've only seen you in black, um, Grant Ramey. I, I think that's something where the older I get, the more black pieces of clothing I uh, obtain. I don't know why. It's just uh-huh. happened that way. I, okay. I don't know. That's a great. That's a great question. It's not something done intentionally. It just kind of happened. Okay. It's funny too because you're the you're the funniest in the VolQuest message board. So you don't have like the the dark demeanor. You're more of the you're you're more of the funny guy to lighten uh, the GQ. The, uh, the 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 jokes just make up for the lack of intelligence. I gotta I gotta cover some ground there to to so nobody sees it, sees through it, paper over it a little bit. Oh, I don't know about that, Grant. Uh, but we'll talk some basketball in a second because I, I, I have some heaters for you on uh, no, no SIGs, but I do have some heater questions for you on the on the Tennessee basketball front, Grant. But my first question to you, what do you think was the biggest difference between the Vols at Kentucky on Saturday and what you saw from the Vols two weeks ago at Alabama? Oh, boy. Um, the run game. 
being able to lean on the run game. Uh, and that's a, a lot of credit to that is to Alabama and their defensive front. There haven't been many teams, maybe only Alabama, that's really shut down Tennessee's run uh, between the tackles. And, and Tennessee really needs to lean on that run heavily. You saw the importance of it in the third, fourth quarter at Kentucky when it looked like that game could go either way. They had a four-minute drive there to bleed out the clock in the fourth quarter. Dylan Sampson was huge. Uh, Jalen Wright was huge earlier in the game. Uh, to, this team, to, to reach its potential, to be its best, it's going to run for 200, 220, 230, whatever that number is, because that's the number they've consistently hit. And mm-hmm. when you don't do that at Alabama, as well as they played in the first half, despite not being able to lean on that run game, it's just hard to sustain it for four quarters especially against a really good team in Alabama on the road in Tuscaloosa at Bryant Denny, all that stuff. So I think it's being able to lean on that run game first and foremost. It is funny too. And I just, I, I think Joe, the last two weeks, I mean, he's played his best two games the last two weeks, right? For you. I, I, I would agree. Um, I think getting him involved on the ground uh, is a big deal. I think he runs that, that read option or whatever it is mm-hmm. to the left. It's almost like a sprint out option. Mm. I guess he runs it to the right as well, but it feels like he makes the right read on that play a lot. He gets him some physicality going early in the game, probably gets some of that amped up anxiety, energy, whatever, to start a game kind of out of the way, kind of helps mm. him settle in. I think that is part of it because what he's – Tennessee fans need want a Hinton Hooker in Joe Milton, and Joe Milton's not Hinton Hooker. But mm. if he can run and if he can get those three, five, six, seven yards, whatever, to make it second or third and manageable instead of, second and 10 or second and 12 or third and 10. Mm. That's a big deal. And I think when he's involved in the run game, I think that helps him settle in. I think it helps his passing game. I think it helps him just be a little bit more natural and a better quarterback. It's weird. I mean, that's a game changer. If the Milton we saw at Kentucky is the Milton we see the rest of the way. I mean, completing 86% of your passes. I think that's doable. I think you anything less than 85% the rest of the way. Um, unacceptable. Exactly. We've seen the best version of it. Like, this should let's be go, steady Eddie from here on out. Let's, let's go 90%, push 95 I mean, incompletions at this point. Unacceptable, Joe Milton Unacceptable. Um, Grant, to, he runs a tight ship here uh, in the VolQuest quarters. Um, do you feel better? about Mizzou now because this is something I've been wondering is like you didn't feel good and I if I'm Josh Heupel and company I'm like no you're giving us a day game like I want no part of Columbia at night and seeing how uh some of these night games for Tennessee on the road in the SEC have gone um and then we've seen the alternative of like LSU sleepy 11 a.m kick is where you want to be mm-hmm. if you're Tennessee you practice and then you just yeah. jump right back out there and it's like they don't really know it hit you uh Virginia was like that um in nashville it, unfortunately we won't get that what we saw two years ago with Tion evans and company at that 11 a.m kick but it does seem like 330 is very much uh in the cards i feel like if you're a vol fan you you want this to be 330 right yeah you do and i think a lot of that depends on what happens saturday obviously missouri's mm-hmm. got to go to georgia um i believe it's i, I can't remember what alabama's schedule is alabama somehow lsu what could be lsu that's correct huge week for alabama lsu mm-hmm. as well so I think that depends on that. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it's not going to be a noon because something about these Josh Heupel teams, they love a noon or even that 11 a.m. local time mm. uh, kickoff. Um, I think the way they answered at Kentucky and the way they found ways to win that football game in the second half makes me feel a lot better about them going to Missouri mm. because of the way they fell apart in the second half to Alabama, and that was an ugly loss, and that's an emotional loss. and had something had an opportunity to do something really special uh, in Tuscaloosa, and you couldn't finish the deal. Mm. For them to come back and stay on the road against a pretty good Kentucky team, a, a Kentucky team that had throttled Florida at home uh, a few weeks back, 
um, to answer the way they did. That makes me feel better. Um, the pass defense doesn't make me feel great after giving up 372 to Devin Leary, but I think you're trying to shut down Ray Davis in that game. Um, so it just depends on kind of what team shows up at Missouri. Do they run the ball as well as at the elite clip that we've seen them? And do they get back to playing better pass defense? Uh, a lot of those questions they got to answer. I, uh, I think I have a... <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, the pass defense is not going to be better next week against uh, Mizzou. My gut tells me Mizzou and that offense and Luther Burden and company is like Luther Burden over the middle. I don't know if Brent's sleeping right now. Grant, you can check in on this, but Brent thinking about uh, Luther Burden over the middle over and over again um, for Mizzou and Columbia. But I feel like that's probably on, on the, on the menu for, for the Tigers. But I just feel like for me, I don't, and I'm curious if you feel the same. I think Tennessee's going to score like 45 to beat Mizzou in two weeks. Like for them to get a win, I don't think they're going to be able to get away with the 35, 30 even. I think you're looking at 40 plus because any of the folks waiting on this defense in the past defense and company to uh, have a big weekend on the road in Columbia. I just, this Mizzou offense, I think is really good. I think the defense has a lot of holes. I think Tennessee will be able to exploit a lot of them, but I think Tennessee's going to have to score 45. Like if they're in the thirties late in the fourth, I don't think Tennessee wins this game. Yeah, and I think that means a fast start and a sustained mm. fast start, not the touchdown drive at Florida and then give up 20 in the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, this, this As explosive as Josh Heupel offenses are and have been the last couple of seasons, I don't think this brand plays well from behind because mm. they have to lean on the run game so much. I mean, you saw it in the, the, that first drive at Florida in the second half, you're down 19, and it was like a 14-play drive that went like yeah. 70 yards. Took like nine minutes off the clock. They had to burn a couple timeouts. Like this team just doesn't chase points very well. So I think they're going to have to start fast uh, and play on even footing. I, I don't know about getting down 7-14 on the road, whatever, something like that, and trying to come back. Uh, I do think the pass rush – I mean, I'm sorry, if the pass rush is better, mm. they can get home more than they did against Kentucky and Devin Leary. That can help the pass defense. Obviously, losing Kamal Haddon and the way that he had been playing the last few weeks hurts. But I think also the pass rush, not getting home on Devin Lear, hurt them at Kentucky too. So I think that front four uh, has to get back to the sack numbers and stuff that we've gotten used to the last few weeks, or maybe the season as a whole, uh, to be better at Missouri and help that pass uh, that secondary a little bit. Uh, which is the player that you're most interested in getting snaps against UConn on Saturday? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, the obvious answer is Nico. I mean, everybody wants to see Nico. Wants a, wants a second mm-hmm. half out of Nico that he didn't really get against Austin P back in September. Um, I think for me, it's still Dylan Sampson mm. to get a bigger piece of the pie, I guess. I just uh, What we've seen from Dylan Sampson, he, and he's played a huge role this entire season. It's not like he's some nobody who's going to come in and get mop-up duty snaps. Mm. But I just want to see him get bigger piece of the pie because I think he's that good. I think he's been that productive this season. I want to see more of him catching passes uh i want to see more of him getting more touches more consistent touches more drives uh, i just i would like to see him in a more prominent role in that running back rotation because uh, we saw what he did in the fourth quarter kentucky and how impressive he was there uh, i would love to see him what he would do as as really the guy and maybe you can give Jalen around a little bit of a break yeah and i think that's got to be it going forward i mean you you saw something like if you get a good half or i mean Jalen's tapped out a lot um in the this series i mean jabari is just like he's solid but at this point we're now at the end like this is gut check time this is like you have to just write it out don't worry about keeping guys fresh the rest of the way like you're in the back end of the schedule and you're trying to get to nine and three ten and two best case scenario but 
you might as well just you you know what you have now uh for certain in dylan sampson and uh jalen wright and i just feel like let let jabari get the vulture tds late in the drives if that's mm-hmm. still where we're at what we saw a year ago but i think at this point if you still go back to where we have like a whole quarter of jabari small you're like a, you're just you're just shooting yourself in the foot for no reason like dylan sampson has to be a factor earlier than uh he's been sometimes this season yeah jabari's tough and he's creative and i think he's patient and he gets some yards that maybe some other backs wouldn't based mm-hmm. on that patience and, and some of his vision and I, w- I would much rather have jabari small than not have jabari small yeah. i think it's a great problem that tennessee has in the backfield and we gotta we, somebody's gonna talk to Jalen right about tapping out at the six <laughs> yard line that's mm-hmm. that's not when you want to leave the game that's that's the money time that's the reason yeah. you only have one touchdown and uh, dylan sampson has seven eight whatever the number is at this point but uh yeah what we've seen from Dylan, just the way he keeps producing and, and the limited reps he's really gotten at this point in the season and his production compared to those reps, uh, it's a really, really promising future. And it's a, I mean, it's a great problem to have trying to juggle three really good running backs. Let's say the Vols went out. What do you think the odds are of that for you, Grant, of uh, them actually oh, winning out? They haven't lost a home game since Georgia in 2021. I think the odds are pretty good. FBI uh, has Tennessee, I think, with like a 70... No, I think they had 71% chance of beating Kentucky. I think it's like 55% chance of beating Mizzou. And then you haven't lost a home game in two years at that point. Like, I don't think it's crazy. I I wouldn't put over 50%, but would you put it somewhere at the 40% range? Yeah, because they've been so tough at home. Because we saw what they did against Alabama uh, a year ago, last year. Um and Georgia's kind of had a thing where they kind of play with their food a little bit. It's almost mm-hmm. like they're really good, but sometimes it's like, why are y'all messing around and, and not blowing this team out the way you should? I mean, Kentucky went down there. That was a big game. They beat them 51-13, to 13 and, and they got down 7 nothing against Florida on Saturday, and then they came back and hammered Florida. So, And not in, in the whole health of Brock Bowers, that's a whole different situation, and that, that hurts that offense because he's that good. Mm. Um, and, and, and just because Tennessee has earned the benefit of the doubt at home, they've been so tough at home under Josh Hopple. What is it? 12, 13 games in a row, something like that. Um, it's going to be a crazy, crazy atmosphere, especially if Tennessee can go to Missouri and get another road win and set that up to be, you know, a top, whatever 15 showdown, whatever it would be. I mean, that would be huge. It'd be, uh, the craziest atmosphere since Alabama. And we saw what happened against Alabama. So there would hundred percent be a shot that, that Tennessee could do the unthinkable. And the great thing, too, if you're uh, of all fan going into next week is that like Mizzou has to get beat up by Georgia, even if they mm-hmm. escape with a law or a win, they're still they're going to be battered. Like, it's kind of like when you get A&M after Bama a few weeks ago, like how different does Bama or A&M Tennessee look if they don't play uh, Alabama the week prior? I think that's a sneaky, important thing going into that Mizzou game is they got lucky with the schedule there a little bit. It is. Uh, yeah, it's. It's almost like that old Alabama thing where you come off of playing Alabama. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like that quite as much anymore. It feels like Georgia is that new yeah. one. And, and to go to, go to Georgia, mm. uh, what, what's Missouri? 7-1 and one at this point. Mm. Georgia's 8-0. No. I mean, that's one of the bigger games schedule-wise, ranking-wise in this SEC that we've seen this season. Uh, so it's it, the timing uh, really benefits Tennessee, but obviously going on the road. Uh, that does not benefit Tennessee. That's going to be tough. Uh, but going to Georgia first is, is going to be pretty rough for Missouri, you would think basketball you're back on the basketball beat grammy uh, i just combined your name grammy uh i don't know if you've ever had that nickname but grant ramey there, there you go grammy um when you look at freddie de Leung, so i think there's been a lot of interest in uh from ball fans about where he would fit in this rotation because this is the deepest team you could argue that rick barnes has ever had um i wonder if 
it's going to be a disservice. And this is an early one. And I don't know if you've asked Rick about this, but because he's had the turnover problems out of the gate here a little bit, I just, Steph Curry, I'm not, this is going to be the ultimate vol GQ. Like, look, Steph Curry, I don't know if have you seen this. Have you heard about him? He had a lot of uh, turnover problems early on in his uh, NBA career. Mark Jackson let him work through it. He played next to Jared Jack. He got more comfortable. The turnover problems went away. And that's just part of the deal. It's like playing point guard in the NBA is the hardest adjustment of any of the positions uh, moving forward. I wonder if DeLeon's not going to get the opportunity because Ganey's playing a bunch of minutes right out of the gate here. Right. And I wonder if they're going to have to turn to DeLeon later on this year and he's not going to have the reps and he's not going to be comfortable enough to be that guy that I just think he's the sneaky most important player for Tennessee to have a deep tournament run because I think his ability as a combo guard to create stuff when things get super tight is going to be what ultimately sets Tennessee apart because Ganey, who looks like a good addition, he's a he's a shooter. And I just I wonder how that works with the guys Rick's going to want to go with. And maybe I'm overthinking before they've played a regular season game, but I am a little bit concerned about where Freddie DeLeon's going to fit early on because I think he actually needs to get rid reps and i think rick needs to be okay with freddie DeLeon failing while they figure stuff out uh for the majority of the year i think rick is sending a message a little bit to freddie um not starting him not starting him these these first couple exhibition games kind of giving him a little bit limited minutes i think he Mm -hmm. wants a little bit more out of freddie i think he wants a little bit more push out of freddie um yeah he's gonna have to let him play through the turnovers he's gonna have to let him play through some defensive lapses um, I think that's why you have the non-conference schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. they got some big games. They've also got some bye games where it's going to feel a lot like exhibition. So I think Freddie will be fine. Uh, I think Freddie will play a big role in this team. I think Rick is just a guy who uh, he's old school. He tries to send a message. And, and the, in his mind, the best way to send a message is limited playing time. And you're going to sit there on that bench and you're going to think about it. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get Freddie. And, and they did leave him out a little bit against Michigan State and, and let him struggle a little bit. And Rick talked about that after the game, and he wanted that to happen for Freddie to see that and to have him work through that adversity. I think long run, Freddie will help this team. He'll be fine because he's too, uh, too talented not to. Uh, and like you talked about, creating his own offense was something that was sorely missing from this Tennessee basketball team last year. I think Dalton Connect can do that. I think we've seen that uh, early on. I think that's going to be a big deal. Uh, but Freddie's got to do it as well. And Zakai's mm-hmm. going to come back, and Santi's going to come back, and, and they're going to have a lot of guards at, the, at their disposal. Uh, but I think Freddie's going to have to have a piece of the pie uh, when, when stuff gets serious down the road. I think that's going to be the toughest decision Rick Barnes got to make when we get to March in some playoff basketball is that I don't think you can roll with Sakai and Santi down the stretch, especially when you have Meshack out there. Because we, we know Meshack is his best defender, on-ball defender. Mm-hmm. He is going to play. I don't think Asante, Zakai, and I love these guys individually. Asante, Zakai, Meshack, Triple J, Adu, closing five is going to survive. Like I, I get the defensive part of it. I get the, the veteran part of it, but I just think you're going to have to roll. And maybe it's connect. Maybe he's that guy, but I, <laughs> I don't want to say burned, but like I need to see connect uh, be a significant part of this rotation. Rick Barnes to trust connect defensively for, months at a time before i'm ready to be like yeah this is this is the transfer guy that rick's brought in that's offense first that's gonna play and actually be a significant part of this because remember how tyreek key started last year uh right out of the gate and victor bailey and guys before like there's optimism from time to time here but i just kind of want to see it before i i jump all in the dalton connect but are you in the same same uh stratosphere here 
Yeah, uh, I mean, coming back from Michigan State Sunday, that was the thing going through my head was, you know, we, we saw this before, and it was mm. a year ago, and it was in Frisco, Texas, and it was against Gonzaga, and, and Tyreek's key scored 26 points, and mm. uh, he had played well in the second half against Michigan State in that scrimmage they had last year in Knoxville. Uh, they scored 99 points. It felt like this was going to be a different offensive team, mm. and, you know, five months later, that's a very, very long season, college basketball season, you're going to take a lot of different shapes and forms. You're going to turn into something completely different by March um, than what you are in October playing exhibition games in Dominion. I think Dalton is an NBA-level talent. I think he's mm. got the size. I think he's got the skill set. Um, I think he's going to put in the effort on the defensive end. That's good enough for Rick. Um, I think he's going to be a huge piece of the puzzle here. But I am kind of in the same boat where it's great to go to Michigan State and get a win and, and to score 89 and, and to shoot it the way you did. But I also need to see it happen consistently for long stretches of the season for those offensive efficiency numbers to be a lot higher than they've been in the past before I kind of be like, yeah, this, this is what this team is. They're going to be defensive minded. They're going to be physical. They're going to be have really good defensive efficiency numbers. But I'm going to have to see that offense over long stretches before I really buy in and think this is something that is going to be a huge factor in March. Your gut feeling on who's the opening five uh, next week for for Tennessee? Uh, are we assuming Zakai plays? I think. I think. Well, you're the insider plays. here, Grant. What do you think? Uh, I think there's a shot he plays Monday. I think okay. that's the plan. Um, I'd be surprised if he started. I don't think he'll start. Uh, I think you would go. Let's see. Uh, Dalton's in there at the three. Joe's in there at the four. Okay. Uh, Adu at the five. Santi at the two and Ganey at the one. I think that would be my starting five. Uh, bring Freddie off the bench somewhat early. See what you can get from Zakai if he does play. I think it'll be extremely limited minutes just to kind of knock the rust off and kind of get the whole when's he going to return question mm-hmm. out of the way. Um, but I think, yeah, give me, I think Dalton's a starter all season. I think Adu's your starter all season. Um, I would go Josiah at the four because I think you're better playing small ball with this group. Because uh, I, I, I love Tobey Walker, I love Jonas Adu, but I need to see them kind of in the same boat consistently produce and avoid foul trouble because we just really haven't seen them in huge roles for this team having to be productive in those roles, I guess. Um, also, Adu, you see it all the time. The dude can shoot. Like he's gonna get open threes, and I every pregame you just watch Adu top of the key in the corner. Like that unlocks so much for this Tennessee team if he gets comfortable taking those shots consistently. Because I think he actually actually has pretty good touch for a big guy at the I top mean, of the key. I mean, Rick, Rick, Rick's talked about it since the day he stepped foot on campus. This guy yeah. can step out and shoot it, and then you saw that corner three at Michigan State in second mm-hmm. possession or the second made bucket, I guess, uh, whatever point in the game that was. I mean, if he yeah, if he steps out and makes those shots, it's huge. It changes things. I need, I need to see those guys perform consistently in the post because I think they're a little bit thin down there. Mm. And, and I need to see them avoid foul trouble. They're going to play physical, aggressive defense. you got to be disciplined and, and avoid foul trouble. I think that's a big thing. So they're going to have to play small a lot, I think, with, with Josiah and Dalton uh, at the three and four. There you go. Uh, Grant, what can the good folks check out from you across VolQuest.com this week? Uh, it's that crazy point in the year where it's football, basketball overlap, and I don't mm-hmm. know what day of the week it is. And I don't know what. Uh, coach just got done talking or what he said or, or what's going on. So it's, mm. it's nonstop football coverage around the clock. Um, six and two Tennessee football teams. It's a fun time to be a Tennessee fan uh, after the last couple seasons and the success they've had. And uh, UConn this weekend, hopefully it's not Austin P 2.0 and they play a lot of young guys uh, and then roll into that Missouri for a huge game there. And 
I uh, can't wait for George and Vanderbilt to, to come to town uh, in November for those games as well. And basketball, man, uh, going to Wisconsin next week, uh, next Friday for a, a late night game. That'll be a lot of fun. It's like they're yeah. on a Big Ten tour uh, a little bit. And then they go to Maui later in the month. That's a, a loaded as any tournament bracket I've ever seen. So it's, it's a it's a fun time of year where these two sports intersect and, and there's going to be a lot of intrigue, obviously, with both the teams. We got uh, Illinois on CBS now, right? Like didn't Tennessee, Illinois we, got picked? Yeah. December 9th, I think, something yeah. like that. It's a noon game Saturday. That, that'll be a lot of fun. They're, they're, the non-conference, and they go to uh, North Carolina on the, yeah. November 29th in that, that new ACC, uh, SEC challenge. So that'll be another fun one, too. There you go. VolQuest.com. Subscribe today if you are not already. And read good folks like Grant Ramey each and every day. Grant, thank you as always for the time, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, man. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.